Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, write a job advertisement. Part one, here we go. So today we're going to talk about how to write a job advertisement. And Mark, I got to tell you, when I first read the show notes that you sent me reviewing for this recording, yeah, yeah. when I started off and I read the topic, I was like, oh man, this is, <laughs> this is good. Why, why is it bad? What, what was? It just didn't sound terribly exciting, to be honest with you. It just, oh. it just, oh. uh, you just never had to write one, right? Yeah, because I think the assumption in our show is that managers like to take this task because they don't want to do it, and they yeah. give it to Delegate. their directs to do. You <laughs> so delegated it. You delegated Those of you who had this task delegated to you, this is for you. I'm sure I wrote them a long time ago, but it's a long time since I've had to write them. And I'll tell you, after going through this, man, I wish I had had this advice when I did write them. <laughs> You're one of those guys that delegates and when the guy says, oh, I've never done that before. He says, ah, you can figure it out. It's not that hard. Yeah, you figure it out. <laughs> Which is just a bluff Bluff of, I've never done it either. I don't want to do it. So you're going to do it for me. There you go. And, you, and at least in the manager out. tools world, that that's actually a good thing, right? If two people can cannot do something, <laughs> it's not only true that if two people can do something, the, the lower level person should do it. But if two people can't do something, the lower level person should do it as well. <laughs> well, this is one of those things. I think, you know, again, I, those who've been listening to us a long time know that I come from a from a largely a technical background. So creative writing is not my forte, uh, right. nor will it ever be. So there's some part of this that in my head, I've linked, I link up with creative writing. This is, yeah. this is creative writing or this is sales, salesy kind of stuff. And yep. I, I generally don't see myself as being terribly strong in, in, in that area. And so right. it's easy to delegate. It's not a strength of mine. I don't like doing it. So it makes right. it really easy to delegate. But we're going to kind of walk through this. Those of us who are creatively challenged, you've given us a formula that, you know, frankly, looks like we could be successful with. Yeah, it's plug and chug, as we used to say at the Academy, right? I mean, literally, there's a formula, and you follow the formula. And Wendy has written many of them, and I have written many as well. And it's not rocket science. And the point of, I think there are some people who are probably going, wait, 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 you know, let's try to be creative. Let's make it different. Let's make it stand out. The fact is, the first few times you do something, folks, you're not going to be any good at it. You're not. And so what you need is a way to get started. And if you learn the foundations well, which is what manager tools and career tools are all about, then when it's time to be creative, you have more ability to be creative because you understand the foundations, you understand when you're breaking the rules and so on. Uh, only when you're really, really good at something, when, you're ma- when, when you've mastered something, can you say, okay, I'm going to break all the rules, but inherently I know this will still work. That's what mastery is or one of the ways to describe mastery. So yeah, it's not hard. You just need to know how to do it. That's right. classic career tool stuff. So what is the secret formula for writing job advertisements? <laughs> Tell me. Yeah. Okay. So seven steps, all very straightforward, very simple. The first thing you do is identify your target audience, right? Find out who you're writing to. In other words, who are the people that you would want to apply for your job? Then when you start writing, the first sentence is an enticement. You want to get people past the first sentence. If the first sentence is factual, you failed. If the first sentence causes people to keep reading, then you've succeeded with your first sentence. 
The second sentence starts with the phrase, you'll be. In other words, this is what you're going to do. Uh, the fourth, the third sentence, which is our point four, uh, is you'll have an opportunity to, which talks about the future and, and, and your role. Number five, the fourth sentence is you'll have. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. The fifth sentence is a call to action to get people to actually act. That's a huge part of advertising. And a lot of people who aren't familiar with advertising and marketing um, don't recognize it because advertising has become so sophisticated nowadays that there's an assumed call to action or our commercial on TV is going to be so creative that people will naturally want to do something. And yet those people who have been in the technical world, as you have, you know, when the internet started to burgeon and people started realizing it was a commercial opportunity as well, all of the direct mail lessons, you know, in terms of Google AdWords and email marketing and so on, all talked about the call to action. It was a standard sort of starting point for all commercial persuasive communication, which is essentially what an advertisement is, commercial persuasive communication. And then our last point is there's some administrative details you got to worry about, and we'll cover those right at the end. Good. Now, our first point is it's easy to understand its importance. Folks who are writing these probably violate this rule all the time. If you're trying to sell something, and in this fact, in this case, you are, right? You're trying to sell somebody on the opportunity, knowing who you want to attract is the most important part of writing that advertisement. Yeah, you can't write for everybody, right? Right, yes. and, you, and you can't hope to entice the kind of people you want if you don't know who they are, right? So identifying your target audience, pretty straightforward, but folks don't do it often. Right, people just assume that they can write for anyone, and then therefore that will pique the curiosity of those people who might be interested. And that's just really, really clumsy kind of communication. It's the equivalent of assuming every individual conversation you're having is the same as a speech to 100 people, right? And it's just a speech to 100 people is a broadcast, right? And and a, a conversation with one person is what, what might be called in, in the vernacular a narrow cast, but it's a one-to-one communication where you can tailor your communications in order to make sense. We talk about this in DISC all the time. We say that when you're speaking to a group, you don't think about DISC. You think about yourself, and then you think about what audiences in general want, which is usually high D, high I kind of behaviors. Although all four disc profiles can be effective speaking broadly, in other words, broadcasting. But when you answer a question, you speak to one person. The mistake that people make is because they see an advertisement is going out to thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, they think that they're making a speech. And that's not true. You're not actually speaking to thousands of people. You only want to speak to those people who are in the narrow uh, niche that are of interest to you. And so we confuse the medium, which is a, you know, an internet advertisement or, or um, a job posting on a board or, or a newspaper advertisement. We confuse that medium, which is by definition broad with our goal, which is narrow, which is to motivate one person. I say this all the time that you don't ever actually speak to an audience. It's convenient to describe a hundred people as an audience because that way we can describe a hundred people as a single unit. But in fact, the audience really doesn't exist in terms of communication because the audience can't hear you. It's the individuals in the audience that hear you. You're actually speaking to a bunch of individuals who happen to be called an audience as a matter of convenience so that we can describe the group in front of us. And so it's a classic case of confusing the medium 
the broadcasting nature with the target or, or the, the, the person you want to speak to who, who is the other person, the person who you want to entice to follow up on the advertisement. So that said, you've got to think a little bit, okay, you know, who do I want to talk to? Who do I think would be the right person that I would want to be talking to for this job? Now, this is the easy part of it. You don't have to be terribly scientific about it. Probably for 90% of the managers who are listening to us, for 90% of the professionals who are listening to us, your gut feel is going to be enough. All you need to do is ask yourself a series of questions. We've got six of them. What experience does the ideal candidate have? What industries have they been working in? Now, remember, these are questions that you're asking of yourself that will help you create a picture of the kind of person you're going to be talking to. And once you've done that, you'll then be able to figure out how you want to talk to them, right? You're narrowing down your audience. You're not thinking I'm talking to a million. You're thinking I'm talking to maybe a hundred and they're similar in certain ways. And that will affect the kind of language I use and what I want to tell them. Yeah. And not to go back to things you're talking about previously, but folks, you don't want to talk to hundreds of thousands. No, you don't. Right. You don't want to. Some people think that, well, if I want to get the best candidate I possibly can, I need to talk to as broad a set of people as possible. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's not the way to be successful. Right. Yeah. What you want, believe it or not, and we don't really talk about it in the cast, but but it's obvious if you think about it a little bit, you want your first sentence to turn off everybody who wouldn't be interested in your job. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you and too many people are writing this uh, this these job descriptions that make make it seem and they end up being totally vague because they want to appeal to as many people as possible. They want to make the funnel really wide at the top, and that's a bad idea. Okay, what experiences the ideal candidate have? What industries have they been working in? What job do they do now? Who are they working for now? What do they read? And what are they looking for in their next job, in their next role? Okay. Now, look, if you want to be more scientific about it than than just running through that, those questions, you can go through the list of questions with the last few people who your company or you, in fact, have hired into the role, right? If your boss has delegated this to you, you can actually ask your peers if they've been hired after you, or you could ask, you could answer it yourself if you've been hired into the job in the last three to six months, although that's probably unlikely that you would write an advertising for a job you just hired into. You never know. If you work for Mike, it sounds like apparently it was possible. <laughs> um, look, yeah, I mean, look, assuming it's your boss that's doing the hiring for a peer of yours in a role very similar to yours, your understanding of the role you're in and the need that you think it's designed to fill is probably enough, okay? But you certainly can go use those questions and ask people stuff to give you a sense of whether or not your gut is right. Now, those questions you asked yourself when you're writing this, are there any, does any single one of those stand out as more important than the others? Oh, sure, sure. But look, I'm sorry, I should have been more clear about it. I didn't didn't say it right. The last question is the most important, right? What are they looking for in the next role? Because that's what you're offering, right? But, but, But look, you don't want to start there. You've got to start with the others. The, the, the questions are listed in order to help you think in a way that we know most managers and professionals tend to think. You're going to end up narrowing down to a small group, and, and it will be easier to answer that last question once you've thought through the previous mm. five, right? So uh, let's take an example, right? I mean, you mentioned technical. Let's suppose we need a junior software engineer. Right. Um, so let's just walk through the questions. What would the answers be to those questions if we were looking for a junior software engineer? So first question, what experience does the ideal candidate have? Probably an IT-based degree, right? Software development, uh, um, computer science, something right. like that. Probably in a, in a programming language that we're currently using or can Yeah, or that's similar, right? 
Right, exactly. Not Fortran. <laughs> um, perhaps a year or two out of college, maybe, maybe not. Or someone who has had some part-time roles involving programming. You know, experience at a large corporation would be useful, right? And, and by the way, folks, you don't want to go from anybody in the world, all 7 billion of us, down to uh, one in what experiences the ideal candidate have. So don't overstress on the word ideal, and remember, because we're talking about a junior software engineer, they probably won't have had 12 years of experience. <laughs> Next, what industries have they been working in? Let's assume in this case that I'm, that I'm in a telecom yeah. company. Okay. Right. Yeah. So probably if you're in a telecom company, it's preferably telecoms. But, right, since we're looking at somebody who's more junior, right, they're not writing the architecture based on understanding years worth of telecom systems. They probably could get away with being in another industry, right? The more junior the position in a software arena, the less necessary industry experience is. Right. So in this case, thinking about the industry and the type of position we're trying to fill here, we've identified that telecom is pre preferable, but right. not, a, not a showstopper. And, and so just simply thinking through that helps. Yeah, exactly. Right. Next question. What job do they do now? Probably a junior support role or a part-time or ad hoc programming of some sort. And folks, don't worry that you're going to get the wrong answer. Remember, you're leading up to the ultimate one. And these are questions designed to help you think about the background and the role and the job. And you're, again, your gut is probably going to be okay. Don't look for the right answer. Don't think, okay, what's the perfect one? Let me go look at 30 other advertisements and try to figure it out. If you're a high C and you want to build an 18-step process and you want to take weeks to do it, that's fine. But those are 18 weeks where you won't have hired somebody. So be careful. You can do this in an hour. Okay. We're not telling you have to schedule an hour, but you can do it in an hour. If you spent more than two or three hours on this, you're headed in the wrong direction. Next question. Who are they working for now? Preferably. And you want to write that down. If it were me and I were taking notes, I write P-R-E-F and then circle it, right? Preferably. One of the large corporate telecom companies, right? Which are the competitors of us, whoever that may be. And for junior candidates, again, right, because telecom experience is not make or break, um, we could probably get away with, it. that's why we can put preferably as opposed to must be. Next question. Now we change a little bit. What do they read? Well, probably for a junior software engineer, we're talking about websites and magazines. You could probably add RSS feeds, although there are certainly RSS feeds go into websites, right? Right. Is this from the perspective of figuring out where... You want to advertise position or is this really trying to identify the type of person that you're looking for? Both, but more the former, what? but more the former, okay. right? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, where, where are you going to advertise? And then, and that helps you think about the kind of person you are, or the kind of person you're looking for both, but definitely more the former. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be reading the Wall Street Journal yet and that's okay. Probably not. Well, a, shame on that. You probably couldn't afford to put the but, ad there anyways. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We've talked before about advertising manager tools in the Wall Street Journal and then we kind of raised our eyebrows and thought, no, nah, uh, one yeah. day, quarter million dollars. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Okay. And then last question, what are they looking for in their next role? Okay. And the answer in this case, junior software engineer, most of them that I know, they want progression, right? They want to be in a large corporate organization. Now, now you might say to yourself, wait a minute, Mark, hold on. Not all junior software engineers want to be in a large corporation in order to help with the career ladder. You're right. 
that you're totally, absolutely right. And to a degree, if I may say so, as politely as possible, you're missing the point. We're talking to the, we're trying to figure out who we want to talk to. We don't want to talk to the guy who wants to go or the young lady who wants to go work for a small startup with basically no pay, long hours and a laptop, the way they showed, say, in the movie Social Network, where every once in a while, they were having a business discussion and somebody or somebody wanted to interrupt somebody sitting at a laptop and they would say to him, don't touch him. Don't talk to him. He's dialed in or he's wired in or he's he's in deep or something. Everybody knows how much time we recommend folks spend interviewing. You know, can, can absolutely see why we wouldn't want to spend a lot of time with people yeah. we know wouldn't be interested in the job. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if, if somebody is not interested in progression, how good would it be to hire them into junior software engineer role in our big company when in fact we don't want to train and then lose them in two years because they go to some small startup somewhere? Nothing, look, nothing wrong with small startups. Hey, I, I have some experience with small startups, not in software. Um, but certainly in technical, uh, I think that's what manager tools and career tools are, but. It's not right for the kind of job we're interviewing for as a junior software engineer in a large corporate telecom company, right? So what we say, what are they looking for in their next role? They want some progression. They want to be in a large corporation for that career ladder. They're ambitious and yet you have to admit probably conservative because lots of people want to grow, but some people are saying I'm willing to risk more and take less pay on the chance of getting an equity stake and maybe make getting rich in five years by going to work for, well, some company like Facebook, right? So the idea here is, and I can just see somebody emailing me right now and saying, I wish you to pick my company, my job. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Uh, We picked one that would work for Mike because we know Mike actually delegated the process of writing advertisements, right? It's about time in my career that I finally learned how to do this. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, you, you, it doesn't matter whether you could do it or not. You had great people like Mike and Kathy and Mark and so on. And, you know, you don't need to know how to do this if you have great people working there for you. There you go. Secret um, to my success. Yeah, there you go. See, I'm, tr- I'm trying to lift you up there, dude. Just trying to help Thank you, you out. Thank yeah. Every once in a while, it's funny, every once in a while at a conference, somebody says something that just basically disagrees with what we've just said. And I said, no, that's okay. And I, and I say to them, I want to compete with you for the next promotion at your company because I don't know anything about what you do, you know, but... I could absolutely be a better manager than you. Somebody said to us recently at a client site, I just don't think you need to do all this stuff. I think you just need to be smarter than your directs. I said, oh yeah, go tell your CEO that he's smarter than all of his directs and they're smarter than all their directs and they're smarter than all their directs. And this is a reminder that if you think you're a good manager, folks, we, we if you're a good professional, we hope you are. And you're probably not as good as Mike is, just so you know. So anyway, um, look, the whole idea here is you work through the questions. You're building a picture of the person you have in mind. And, and by the way, you could, you could say to yourself, I know somebody who might think is good for this job. Let me validate these answers against them. That would be helpful, right? And look, you could even go further. You can even say, okay, maybe this is true of the person you know. Maybe it's not. But you say, maybe I see this person living with their mom and dad. Maybe they're in an apartment share or, you know, sort of student-y kind of thing. That's fine. What they really want is enough money to party a little bit and have a vacation once a year and maybe try to save for a house deposit. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of thinking. 
if you think it helps you define the person you're looking for more carefully. Too many people write too many advertisements, too broad in general, and don't appeal to their target audience. And a little bit of extra thinking by following through these questions will help you target your writing to the actual one person you're writing to. Not that there's only one person who's going to read it and get all the way through. You, you'd like to have 50 people apply, but those 50 share some commonalities that you can quickly identify and you want to talk to those commonalities. Let me ask you a question, because as I was going through this, I, I started forming a worry in my mind. And that was that I did all this work thinking about kind of who the ideal candidate would be. Who am I trying to appeal to in this advertisement? And what worries me is it aren't I cutting out a lot of people that potentially could be great in the job? For example, let's, let's just use the example. You talked about the person, you know, the student living with their mom or dad, right, for this junior program. Well, what, what if somebody comes to me? who's 43 years old, is starting a new career, has gone back to, to college. They have this, this programming oh, I see background now. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. they're almost the ideal, and also not the ideal, they're a great yeah, candidate. They're a great yet, candidate. Yet they're, they're- They don't fit your picture. They don't fit my picture. I just yeah. worry about that a little bit. That's good. Okay. I, it's a great question. And the answer is it doesn't matter. Look, the only reason you're doing this is to communicate the job to someone. Okay. The picture you're creating in your mind is not a screening device. It is a communication device. That's why we're doing this. It's as if we're standing in a room full of people and we want to talk to one of them who happens to know something about, let's say, a particular area of politics that we're interested in. We're going to eliminate some people that we know don't fit because of conversations we've had and so on. We're trying to get down to that one person. And we discover through a series of questions, this one person actually knows, okay? That doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't know, right, about this particular political thing we want to know about, maybe some historical political fact or something. Um, you know, maybe we'd go find a political science major or a political history major or something like that, or somebody who studied governmental something or other, and we would narrow it down and we'd find the person. But look, if the guy next to him happens to know the answer and the guy we narrowed it down to doesn't. We don't care about that. Yeah. This is a communications exercise. It is not a screening exercise. Now, you might say to yourself, well, aren't we screening? No, we're not. We're trying to communicate to the exact right person. If in fact, somebody else reads it and says that applies to me, even though or I'm interested in that, even though I can tell they're not writing to me, that doesn't matter. We want people who can do the job. And it is not just our picture of the job that are people who can do it, right? And so this, again, one more time, this is a communications exercise. It is not a screening exercise. This picture is only for the time you need it when you're writing the advertisement. After that, put it in your trash can, in your mental trash can, if you will. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you back here again next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.